you know, look at this. We're all in this group, established professionals who are investing. Yes. Now, let's be bold about this. Every minute, every hour we spend on this, we don't spend on a paid project. So that's the kind of belief we put in it. So the support and the investment is already there. And a lot of people who believe in this, I think that certainly should give anybody new that wanted to join in support, you know, a clue that this is for real. This is, this is really going to happen. This is Going Boldly, the podcast. Here's your host. Russ, the big guy. Hi, it is Russ, the big guy. I'm a lifelong entrepreneur who is very familiar with the struggles and successes related to running a business. I know it is definitely worth the struggle. The freedom and unlimited potential keep me moving forward, fueled by my why. Aligned with that is my desire to share with you, the entrepreneur and aspiring business owner, entertainment, information, inspiration, and even transformation into an even more amazing entrepreneur and human. To those ends, please enjoy this episode of Going Boldly. Hey, it's Russ. We're up in the podcast studio uh, overlooking our beautiful Washington Ave. The uh, penthouse studio up here is a little warm today. We've had some crazy weather, and uh, uh, it's been up and down. <laughs> Things are still crazy. We've our, Some of our guests still have uh, their doorbells working there, and... Um, uh, we had a, a big windstorm last night, so it's been a challenge with technology today because a lot of it is not working. Uh, welcome to this episode. This is a very special episode for me. I am connecting with Greg Shumsky again. And Greg, as you may recall, is the innovator and the dream maker and the person who is the driving force behind Jackalope Junction. And Jackalope Junction is the world's only Western steampunk story park. It is gaining some momentum and some traction since last we spoke, and that's why we're doing this very special episode. Welcome, Greg. Hello, Russ. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Uh, I'm glad that uh, you thought this was a good idea to do this. I'm pretty excited about some of the things that have happened. One of the things is that you've, as I understand it, is that you have formalized your organization, uh, Acorn entertainment. So is that correct? Yes, that is correct. All right. And you have um, <laughs> you have a plethora of characters who are now supporting you in part of this. And um, just in the brief few minutes before we started, I, I got a feeling that, th that you have a really good group there and they seem like they're a lot of fun. And I'm guessing they're some pretty talented people. Yeah. You know, I'm really blessed in that I've got some people that are old friends of mine that I've known since high school that uh, I've kept in touch with over the years. And then God just found a way to bring more amazing people into this that have been part of the uh, theme park industry or um, related to that. Uh, these are these are really great guys. Also, a lot of really great men and women that have come along uh, to help out with concept art and with uh, being advisors and, and uh, going beyond being advisors with us. And every Day I wake up, I'm, I'm just beyond amazed at what God has been doing in, in all of this. We only have so many years left, Greg, so why not dream big? Let, why not go big, right, and make a huge impact? Well, you know, the funny thing is the idea was to start with a really small park. I was working for Storyland, and I had this idea to turn uh, a local small little amusement park that had been abandoned for the last 20-some-odd years 
into a little Western town with some amusement rides. And that really kind of grew into making it a theme park. And then, well, I thought well, it's got to have a name. So Jackalope Junction popped in my head one day. And then I thought about, well, if we're going to have a theme park, who's our, who's our Mickey Mouse? And that's when Jackalope Jim kind of knocked on my door one day and said, hi, I'm Jackalope Jim. Yeah. And, and here's my story. I'm like, wow, okay. So, and then, you know, my wife would throw little things in like, gee, it'd be really neat if it had a little hotel and it'd be really neat if they had this and this and this. And pretty soon the six some odd acres that were able to build on in this flood zone uh, became not doable. And, and I started looking at bigger pieces of land and still trying to keep it small because I do want the park itself in general, to be a small, um, intimate experience, uh, a peaceful experience. It's not going to be, you know, your big theme parks with all the noise and all the rides and and uh, and so much input that people experience when they walk into Disneyland or something yeah. else. It's going to be there'll be movement and stuff, but at the same time, it's going to feel it's very family oriented. It's very about being going back to simpler times and bringing back the wholesomeness that hasn't been around for ages. Hit the cool little shops, eat some great food, go on some amazing attractions, sit on a big lawn and have a picnic with your family, listening to live music. But it all focuses around this concept that it's a, it's an actual town, uh, which is Jackalope Junction. And instead of making it like any other ghost town that we have in California or, or anywhere, or a small little town anywhere, I really wanted to go off, well, what if, what if it's just not a Western town, but it's got that fantasy element to it. And Jules Verne came to mind. And then, then our characters started developing and this whole thing about uh, a town about people and characters that have some value to them, bits about them that tie into our daily lives. And, and they touch on, on people uh, that I've known my whole life. So it's really kind of an interesting way to, to approach it. And that's why we have this whole story park concept. Yeah. Now that's the part that I found to be the most engaging and the most interesting. Um, our listeners can go back to your episode, uh, Greg Shumsky and uh, Jack Lope Junction, and they can learn more about the actual park and, and dig into some of the details of that. Um, part of the reason why I really wanted you back and to bring some of your associates with you is to really help take this project to the next step. And the, the reason is because I really identified with what you had talked about when you're talking about morals and values and and ways to teach people, uh, kids, but also adults, um, to model that sort of behavior for people, to be able to supply some stories that people can identify with, maybe even like fables about the different characters, um, activities that that people can engage in so that they are integrated into the whole action there and they're actually having fun, but they're learning. Right. And so, but what are they learning? Are they just learning to be, you know, to capture bandits or are they learning about truth and, you know, and justice, like you'd mentioned, wholesomeness and honor and uh, how to make the world a better place and the important things, right. That a lot of times other organizations, not mentioning any in particular, or other businesses just totally neglect because they're all about the money. So right. you guys have to be about money to survive, but your mission is far greater. All right. So that's what I found so compelling. I look at the other media things um, and they're great. I mean, there's great stories and it's a lot of fun with adventure and it's a lot of fun with good guys versus bad guys. A lot of the parks have, have gone, well, we're going to throw in this land or that land based on this IP that we bought or that IP. And you know, it's, it's really, it's really a big 
at the end of the day, it's a big marketing thing is what it is to just sell more product, right? Uh, ours is really about going out through a, a transmedia approach. So transmedia, if you look at it, is really how do we continue the story of Jack Love Junction beyond the park? Well, we're going to have books for children. We'll do some uh, graphic novels as well. We're going to do an animated TV series that continue the story. So when you come back time and time and time again to the park, uh, you're going to see how the park has changed based on this continual living story that happens like in everyday life that is around us, whether you go to a local small town or something like that. But it's it's really about our characters have each uh, experienced some sort of tragedy in their lives, which we all do. Right. You know, the death of a parent, the death of a loved one, uh, the loss of a job. We all experience tragedies. And how we handle that is really dependent on who we are or what we're capable of doing, or the strength that we have, or the strength we don't have, but we look for from others. And that's what our characters have done. Each of them has experienced some sort of tragedy, and they've grown from it. They all have taken on a a mindset of being, I'm going to be victorious over this and not let this cause me to feel like I'm entitled to everything, or that people owe me something, or poor, poor me. But it's really about... I'm going to become a better person from it, learn from it, and then I'm going to help others that may have experienced similar stuff. And it's really about sharing uh, 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 amongst each other and and loving each other and lifting each other up in the in the middle of whatever bad things may come. And and I think this is what's missing in our world today is that people just don't do that anymore. That the idea of being neighborly is gone. The idea of Loving each other as you love yourself is gone. Uh, and we want to bring those things back. You know, that no matter your your age, your gender, your uh, racial profile, whatever it is, whoever you are, we want people to be able to, to love on each other no matter who they are, have that respect and uh, under, try and understand each other, at least instead of screaming and yelling at each other every day that seems to be so prevalent in today's media. I love it. And I think this is so important, especially as you mentioned right now, I, I can see Jackalope Junction and all of the ancillary projects and activities as being just really uh, globally impactful. And uh, even the park itself, just a global destination long run here, or maybe in the short run, if we can make it happen. So uh, my goal with this podcast for us all is to create something that we can push out to people who want to be involved in this, to have ability to finance this project and others who really believe in the same mission as we're describing. And uh, also maybe there's some people that just want to make money. And I think this is something amazing. It can be a category of one and it can be something that people all around the world really support. It can be a real winner financially as well. Uh, right. So let, yes. So Greg, let's move, let's move on and, and get some of your um, compatriots there involved. Uh, who should we start with? Let's roll the dice and see. <laughs> All right. I got a list here. All right. Klaus, uh, let me, I would like to introduce Klaus Paulson. Introduce yourself. Tell everybody who you are, a little bit about your background, uh, what brings you to this project, why you want to be involved. Klaus, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Ross. My pleasure to be here. Well, actually, I'm not right there. I'm in Denmark because uh, this is where I'm based. Um being in Denmark and, and working um, with creative strategies, integrated storytelling designs and, and all of that for not only attractions, but also brands and communities, actually, in, in, in taking uh, narratives to good use to change lives, basically, 
or create lasting memories and experiences. Yes. So I'm the um, I'm the founder of, um, of of Adventure Lab, and Adventure Lab is a congregation of like-minded, I might I might call it, and we're really focusing on helping people to finding their right story and creating the right strategy for it, and uh, and and then utilize new ways of doing storytelling. So Greg mentioned trench media, and that's certainly that's certainly part of it. Coming up with these concepts that are not only creative concepts, but are also sustainable concepts. When when we begin to talk about the creative business side of things, it's also something um, that, that I'm certainly heavy involved with. Former uh, nine-year um, member of the Entertainment Association boards, DME and the International Board. And I can continue to work on that supportive level and getting involved with organizations and advisory boards and what have you. So the reason why I'm involved with this project is really because one, once you once you get to that point where you want to work with something that has a deeper level and a deeper value, then this is the kind of project that has that. So as I've told Greg a couple of times, you know, keep in mind that people approach me many times if I want to be involved with that and that in terms of startup. And, and I have been involved with different kinds of, of new concepts and then part of two different U.S. companies in the past. But there's just there's something to this, you know, not not to take it to academic level on storytelling, but many people talk about the hero's journey all the time. Yeah. You know, the, the crisis and, and the hero and, you know, coming back to, to normal life. And um, it is being used as a thin coding layer uh, by many in doing what they think is storytelling or what they want people to perceive as storytelling, but which is really very superficial and look at the funny animals. When Greg and Greg talk about these crises, I think some, some people may not realize that the reason why the hero's journey has this universal, global, I mean, I come from Denmark, yes. um, um, power is because it's actually reflecting a personal crisis. You know, everybody has to face their demons and make their way out. And it's a timeless. It's a timeless uh, journey. It it is because and it's a it's a recurring journey. It's yes. something that we see yes. again and again. So not just you know presenting it bluntly to kids. You know you're gonna face bad things, but make make them realize that you know your life is gonna have different tracks and. Um, and look at these look at these characters they they've had their ups and downs and actually if i'm to talk about ips and designs and i've worked with ips from new ips in asia uh new ips in europe and 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 existing ips and bringing them to life as experiences and they don't come to life if nobody relates to them. Yeah. So here you have something that might not have been around for 20 years, but it's certainly extremely relatable compared to the dozens and dozens of funny animals with a smile but no heart that you find out there. Mm. So that's what I'm in. Yes. And so the things that you're talking about, to be able to have particularly young people really identify with the characters, with the stories, with the journey, right, that universal journey, uh, is so important, and it's lacking right now for some reason. I mean, S- Star Wars is never more popular, has never been more popular than it is now, but still we have a generation in therapy. I mean, literally, mm-hmm. literally, we have young people in their early 20s, late teens, in therapy like like never before. It's It's crazy. They're lost. I don't really understand totally what's going on, but it's a real thing. 
Absolutely. And if you look at it this way, it's it's so interesting when you're working with kids. And some people say, well, an eight-year-old girl, eight-year-old boy, you know, they, they're just, you know, they're just as to have fun. But the depth and the engagement they have, things they're interested in, mm. just, you know, try to um, match the wit of a 12-year-old kid who's really into dinosaurs. Yeah. You'll last for like 30 seconds. So what happens to that? I mean, at some point that becomes something very superficial and, and, and you know, not their interest in that project. But all of this, you have to be on that social media. You have to do like this and this. You have to be happy all the time. You know, you, you, you show uh, an idealistic side of yourself. You, you are asked to show you an idealistic side of yourself that's very, very lonely behind the mask. Yes. Because who should you talk to about these things? You know, and, and if you look at your influencer heroes, they're just as shallow. So it's it's really interesting to create a universe where you can bring people into this. Yes. And I usually when I talk to uh, my fellow themed entertainment people, I say, all we can hope to be or aspire to be is to be a paragraph, a footnote, even a chapter in the life narrative of people. Oh. Because regardless of what we do, they're the stars of their own lives, right? And wow. this is the kind of thinking that we bring into into this concept. Okay, so I'm a little confused about that last part. So we don't really want to be a chapter. We want to be sort of like the foundation, don't we? I, th- I think I think well, we, we don't, yeah, we are part of the we're part of the foundation. But honestly, let's look at it this way: people have their full lives, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Let's say you will live for 80 years, break that down into days, break that down into minutes. So you, can, you can't be there all the time. But what we're really working to do is having the respect for that life narrative mm-hmm. that they live. And then at pivotal points, trigger points, they meet this universe. They meet the values in this universe. And I'm not saying they're going to rephrase them 20, 30 years from now, but they might bring their kids. Yeah. To meet those values again. Mm-hmm. So it, it is understanding that when we talk about storytelling, when we talk about integrated storytelling, they're the heroes. You know, we surround them with, with a lot of great characters, but they get to travel this universe and they get to bring their values with them and continue the story at home. But they also get to use the values in continuing their own story, their own life narrative, because it has depth. Yes. More death than death. Let's do a fun ride. All right. I understand it. Excellent. All right. Thank you, Klaus. My pleasure. Okay. Andy Fastman, are you there? Yes, I am. All right. Who is Andy? A little bit about your background. What do you bring into this project? Andy is an architect from the uh, the lifelong creative uh, tinkerer background. Just to give a little bit of you know my personal history, um, I came from a uh, very technical education standpoint. Uh, made my way out here to uh, the wilds of Los Angeles uh, to kind of get a little more of that uh, theoretical vibe somewhere in that transition from, you know, this uh, very technical engineering school kind of uh, training in my early academic endeavors. Um, You know, I picked up this kind of notion of the event, uh, of the temporal nature of Yes, we design space, but form does not necessarily have to be the end-all, be-all, um, you know, kind of final goal of an architectural endeavor. I think through a series of fits and starts, I found my way about 10 to 15 years ago 
uh, into themed architecture. And it, you know, it's it's very when you go through academia, even uh, you know, in the most kind of theoretical and conceptually based programs, you're after kind of that big D design aspect. What is the biggest, boldest, most statement that you can make with your form? As a result of that system, I actually landed uh, fresh out of grad school. I spent the first three years of my career working for Frank Gehry. It was an amazing experience. I have like zero negative to say about it. In fact, you know, I, I cherish those years uh, for a multitude of reasons, but I also very realistically approached that with a boy. Uh, there's some lessons, life lessons to be learned here. One of those lessons was you're dealing with the ultimate formalist here. I was more enamored with how did it feel to be within those spaces. Uh, one of the first things I worked on was the Disney Concert Hall out here in uh, downtown LA. And while everyone was talking about how pretty it was and how you know undulating the surfaces were, um, I was totally geeking out being in the concert hall itself and someone was whispering across the room and the acoustics were so good I could hear it. And I said, ooh, this is something like this is the thing, like the experience of being in here. And when, you know, when we did get to see the first dress rehearsal and the second trombone player uh, dropped his music and you could hear the pages hitting the floor, I was like, that was better than any of the procession and tour and everything else we had walking in here. When I landed here at uh, Cunningham, somebody said, hey, we need you to possibly drive and LA driving uh, 34 miles over the hill, as they call it, into the valley to yeah. uh, go from the beach to Glendale is, uh, that's a heck of a journey. Uh, they said, would you consider doing that for the next, oh, maybe year? And I said, well, what's in it for me? And they said, well, you get to go sit at Walt Disney Imagineering and learn something new. And I said, yes, lifelong learner. Let's go. Um, teach me, teach me. Absolutely. I fell in love with the work to begin with. It was something that would have been, you know, uh, years prior in school would have been considered a sellout. Like, how could you do that? You know, go work for the mouse. Ooh, that's evil. If I wasn't already hooked when... Uh, the first attraction that I worked on when it opened and I happened to be doing, you know, very typical architectural punch list. We were looking at a bad detail of, uh, you know, some bad millwork, you know, or a bad installation that we needed, you know, we were tagging to be fixed. Um, they had the big public official unofficial opening and they had the cutest family with, you know, the mom and the dad. And the boy was maybe 10 years old. The little girl was about six or seven and she came bounding up the steps onto the ride platform. And with the biggest smile on her face. And as I'm recounting the story, I, I kid you not, I have goosebumps right now because it was just so moving. And I was like, I'm in, I'm hooked. Like this idea of telling stories and immersing people in a space and bringing an experience to people that although I've created the backdrop for it, uh, I've contributed to the entire experience, not just, oh, wow, let's get the photo op next to that famous building. and then we'll go to lunch. Um, in fact, here you have lunch within, you know, what has, you know, what I've come to uh, be a part of the creation of. It's become some, something that I learned all about and have taken it to the level of now um, I am the director of our destination entertainment studio, which, you know, of which themed entertainment is the largest uh, sector. You know, that being said, I saw, I think it was an email blast from IAPA about Greg's project. And I think Greg and I were talking 
possibly the next day. It's one of those cold call via LinkedIn and it clicked and it's just such a great vision that um, obviously we offer full service from brownfield, greenfield, all the way to post-occupancy type of services. To be able to get involved from the beginning on such a great project was just an opportunity couldn't be passed up. I've been along for the ride kind of ever since. Brian Douglas. Yeah, say, great great to be on here. I owned a digital media production agency for over 20 years, very large agency here in San Diego. And one of the things that uh, made me want to kind of step away from it was do you want to get more back into working for a clientele that they're based on values and morals? And Greg uh, re- reconnected. We, uh, Greg and I have been friends for a long time and we reconnected a few years back and he told me what he was working on. You know, it kind of clicked for us as well. An interactive agency and creating media campaigns for some of the largest you know, companies in the country. It, I, I love the fact that I could actually bring that talent to a, a much smaller uh, more targeted effort in something that could actually bring value to our society. What I've been working on, Greg, mostly is, you know, to come up with um, some business models that are that are profitable and still, you know, affordable for families. You know, I was driven to this, this idea of, of building a story park, you know, based on values and morals, you know. And when we looked at the small uh, site in, here in San Diego, and what all the different profitable, all the models that we wanted to create, it just didn't have the size. Yeah. You know, our, our goal is to make this, you know, uh, not only business models for ticket sales, but there are business models for the camping experience, the special events, the, the you know, we want to work with local food vendors and local merchandising and Along with the intellectual property, that is that is spectacular. This is a package that's ready to go. I, I mean, I'm just pretty amazed uh, how far we've gotten in the last year. Yes, I think you pretty accurately described why you wanted to be involved. The growth strategy um, is over over the first. You know, there's like um, three to five years. We have different phases that we'd like to bring in as we grow. It's all based around building, telling this story, making kids' imagination um, wanting more. To come back to to have a to have something maybe the experience be different every time they come back, mm-hmm. and so you know phase one building the initial part the characters the mind cave tour you know main street uh, shops and a, a performance venue you know we're looking at building a couple uh, really cool um, trains which are which open up the imagination for kids especially young kids boys or you know girls would like to see. You know, play with cars and, and trains and things like that. It's it's it, it brings me back to my youth. Interacting with townspeople, introducing you know a camping experience. The camping experience is a is something I definitely would have brought my kids to. So I'm I'm trying to create these business models that I would would want to bring my family to and have a, a place where I can go where they put down their phone and they can actually use their imagination to create their own story within the park. The way I initially, you know, imagined it going from this little park to this bigger thing. And, and Brian and I talked about this one time and I told him my, my goal was to go not just as a, as a little theme 
park or our story park, uh, but to have these different avenues that really help tell the story and really reach out to a wider audience through animated television, through uh, books. The funny thing Brian said to me right away, he goes, well, that right there is you're, you're asking people now to instead of invest in just this one little idea to invest in something that's really becomes a franchise more or less, right? I think it offers a lot more value to people. And, and what we're at now is by adding in uh, the idea of eventually a hotel down the road and this event center uh, is that there are all these different revenue streams coming in uh, and they're, they're guaranteed revenue streams because we're going to be doing the animation, doing the shows and doing the books which will be out a few years before the park opens up. And that's going to generate a lot of hype for it. Unlike other theme parks that open up that just open up for the, they open up and people go, oh, great, I've heard about it. Let's go and have some fun. This is going to have a lot of steam rolling up to it before it opens. The event center is a huge thing. Uh, Williams, Arizona, where we're looking to build. There are no event venues currently in Northern Arizona for weddings or for corporate retreats or anything. Uh, everybody has to go to Sedona or Cottonwood. That's the closest place to have an event north of Phoenix. That's what we're looking at doing. And, and the, the town has told me, we're turning down 15 to 20 to 30 events a week because we have no place to house them. When I first had the idea for an event space, it was for weddings and birthday parties and stuff like that at the park when it was a much smaller idea. But now it's come into where it's we can make it big enough to have a barn that's a thousand people uh, that we can split in half with some smaller bungalows for smaller teams. And we'll come up with a way to do team building for corporate uh, groups. We could do car shows, we could do weddings, we could do big birthdays, we could do everything imaginable. And it's going to be a real boon, not only for our investors, but obviously for the town as well and, and the area. There's all these things we think about that I think would be really neat. They're all good ideas, I think, that help thicken the soup. And the, so that's a great great idea based on a need that's already there, which is excellent. Yeah. So instead of it just being a broth right. with some vegetables in it, we're now adding all sorts of great ingredients to it. That's going to be this really rich environment. And now it goes from being a, a park to a resort, more or less, right? Yeah. Plus the whole uh, transmedia company behind it. We're going to be doing fabrication uh, on site for ourselves, but we want to offer fabrication services to other parks. So there's this bond and there's going to be a lot of parks being built in Arizona. We want to be the guys that can help build, uh, help them build their parks and provide services to them as well. Uh, this is Brian. I don't want you to forget that Williams is on the old Route 66. When my kids were young, I made it a point to travel the old Route 66, at least all the way through Arizona into New Mexico. There are a number of little towns along the way and a number of things to do for you know some family events. But this is along that route, it's old Route 66. So there is a historical remnant there that actually kind of fits, fits very well with the, the, the park and the, the design for family entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, what's really interesting about Williams, besides being on Route 66, it was founded in 1881. Well, uh, Jackalope Junction happened to be founded in 1881 by Jackalope Jim. Uh, Jackalope Junction had been a mining town called Mighty Oak Springs. Well, Williams was a mining town and still is a mining town and has still quite a few active mines. So we're tying into this history of not only what we are creating, uh, but 
it really ties in well with the history of the town as well. It's it's really working out to be quite a synergy between what the town is and, and what we're building. Amazing it, how site appropriate it is, you know. It also is the gateway of the Grand Canyon. Five million tourists visit that region every year to go through that corridor. So it's a very large base to draw from. I also believe it speaks to the power and the potential width of this concept. It's, it's not just designed to be the original idea in the original place. I mean, it grows through the context where, where it's going to be based. It grows through what we learn about that area, what we learn about the people that visit that area as well. I know we talk a lot, a lot about values. We talk a lot about these driving things, but make no mistake, we're in the business of fun. So we realize it has to be fun. And we realize it has to be really respectful to the families and the visitors. And also it needs to fit in the context. That's a proof of strength to um, to the concept itself. You know, five, 10 years from now, we're going to be surprised at what we've done. What was the real driving thing that said to you, I'm not a Disney, I'm not a Universal Studios, I'm not a Hershen Family Entertainment, I'm not, I'm just a pretty abnormal guy that was given this idea, I want to say through God. But what made you two, I mean, with, with your background, and your everything you've worked on for over the years and years and years. I mean, Andy, you've you guys have worked on stuff at Disney parks and you've worked on and some fantastic things there. And Klaus, you've worked with huge parks uh, in Europe and Asia and stuff. What made you say, I really have to help Greg with this? Uh, if I may, I think first and foremost, any creative process is just a you know a great experience. I personally, we as a firm, you know, we seek out opportunity because that being said, uh, you mentioned it. We have done work with Disney. We have done work with Universal. We have done work with Paramount, Cedar Fair, and depending on the scenario and depending on the situation, uh, a lot of those larger players. Um, even if it's a third-party IP, something that they have licensed or comes through their studio wings, what have you, take uh, Universal's relationship with J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter, the Disney-Marvel merger at this point. There's an entity that holds sway over that IP. The process becomes somewhat beholden to, uh, I, I would almost say, the whim of... It's one thing when it's a whim of an individual. It's another thing when it's the whim of a monolith, you know, a Goliath in the field where they're making decisions based on so many spreadsheets that uh, it really doesn't come down to, is this going to be the best experience? It comes down to, well, we've done the pro forma and we've come up with this, this, that. Where the opportunity immediately presented itself, you know, with Greg's project is that we can take a part in actually helping develop the IP itself. It's rare that we get an opportunity to work this close with the IP holder and this early in the development. And Greg, not to say that, you know, Jackalope Jim and everything is not completely fleshed out in your head, but getting that to the point where we can express it in built form and we can create the experience around it. I think we're just starting. And I think that's the best place to be. And um, an opportunity like this to be on board in such a nascent phase of the development of 
what I hope to be, you know, one of the mainstays of what we consider to be theme park IPs for the future. This is, to me, a once in a lifetime type of opportunity and just could not pass that up. Brilliant. I'm, 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 I'm clapping my hands here, actually. <laughs> That's awesome, Andy. If only we were on camera, we could have seen it. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm with Andy. Um, you know, when you get the opportunity to work with something, I mean, I mean, we're all creative at, at heart, right? So that thing about creating things and not just reiterating things and creating something, something new that we believe in and we have the capability to take that belief and make it to reality. I think, I think that, that that's really something. I was presenting what is called a campfire, fire starter talk yesterday with this new organization focusing on the experience, experience economy, uh, with a lot of great people. And um, I, I have, so my, my new book came out yesterday, uh, Integrated Storytelling by Design, which are the principles that we work from. So that's why it's relevant on a major label. So that's, that's kind of fancy, I guess. But the thing is, we had this discussion. I did this presentation and I've done this with Disney and Lego and Tivoli Gardens and all of it. So it was, was great to have like this high level discussion of where storytelling can be, where it could go, where theme, theme parks can become and, and, and so on. And then taking it into, so how are we going to do this in practical reality? Well, this is how we do this in practical reality. I mean, we are already doing the strategy and the structures and going beyond what the current concept of this is of transmedia. And as a front runner, I think that's extremely exciting. And another thing I think is really, really good because I'm a firm believer of kill your darlings. You know, if something is a fixed idea that doesn't keep up, then you move forward. I haven't seen the need for that in this, but but I do have to salute Greg for not just being set in stone with the ideas, but actually uh, listening to the team. And you know, we might get back on the next online call. And like you know, it made sense, sense what we talked about last time. So you know, that really makes it a really good relationship. I have three basic rules when working. And that is you need to work with someone who listens, who's open, and who understands the value of what we're doing. And this is it. Beautiful. Greg, what does it mean to you to have people of this caliber, and uh, including Brian and the other um, unnamed people right now in terms of this podcast, but what does it mean to you, Greg, to have people of this caliber come to your aid? Uh, believe in what you are dreaming, uh, what you know to be needed, and to be fully supportive. Well, first you had to throw Brian in there, which uh, that's a problem. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Brian, well, you got yeah. Brian regardless. Is that it? No matter what? <laughs> Brian and I are, uh, we, get, we get each other. And it really comes down to the fact that I honestly, uh, like I said, I wake up every morning and I get something from Andy or Klaus or Brian or anybody else. And the amazing, incredibly uh, talented concept designers that have worked for Disney and Universal and stuff that literally I have people banging on my door saying, I want to help. I've, this has been on my heart for the last few weeks. I can't shake it. And I tell them because we've been running on no budget because my <laughs> wife started my wife literally said to me when I first had the idea, she goes, well, you can you can chase it all you want to, but you're not spending a single penny on it. Yeah. Which, okay, I spent a few pennies on it. <laughs> so that's what I've stuck to. And I, and I said, okay, Lord, if this is from you, 
then I'm going to trust that things will just work out. So, so we have people call and I talk to them and we do a zoom and I say, look, I don't have a budget for this. I, I cannot ask you to help because that would be wrong. Yeah. And nope, it's too late. You've got me. Tell me what you need. So, you know, we sign all the little paperwork and they're off running, doing amazing things. It's one after the other, after the other. Um, I've had other people say, again, this has been on my heart. I have to help. Until I help you, this is not going to stop bugging me. To have some really, really, not just people from, from that are these concept designers and kids that want to get into themed entertainment that are just fantastic designers and looking for a way in which I love giving them the opportunity. But then we have guys like Andy and Klaus and Pete Ronchetti from uh, Legoland who called me up and said, let's talk. I, I saw the article in the newspaper and I've been pacing back and forth in my house for two weeks, figuring out what am I supposed to do to help this guy? I am beyond honored, really so blessed that I don't, and I don't deserve it. Honestly, I don't, I don't think I deserve it or, or this. And, <laughs> well, you better step up because there's a lot of people behind you. So <laughs> yeah, no, I know that. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is that, um, I'll be honest, it's exciting and it's scary at the same time. Yeah. Um, and there's been a lot of times, I think with any entrepreneur, uh, that has had an idea that said, I, I I'm done. I want to throw in the towel. Yeah, and you throw in the towel, and it comes back and slaps you in the face and says, "Stop throwing the towel! You, you've got more to do." You have so much support right now, so you, you know you've really got some uh, you got some traction. So you know, what's funny is that every time I'm thinking, "What's going on?" Another person gets a hold of me and says, "I'm here to help." Yeah, and and it's been such a huge blessing, and this has to happen. We need to have this happen. There's. It's not about me. It's not about all these amazing people that have come to help out. Honest to God, it's about saving the world we live in. The, the dynamic that is happening right now for you and with you, um, when you talk about people come to you and say, you know, this has been on my heart and I can't not help you, that is exactly what happened to me. I, um, I'm getting goosebumps as I tell you this and feeling very emotional about it, and I couldn't tell you why. So, of course, every, every project, every dream needs investment and and someone might ask why should i invest in this and would would anybody else invest in this and am i the first but you know look at this we're all in this group established professionals who are investing yes now let's be bold about this every minute every hour we spend on this we don't spend on a paid project so that's the kind of belief we put in it. So the support and the investment is already there. there a lot of people who believe in this, I think that certainly should give anybody new that wanted to join in support, you know, a clue that this is for real. This is, this is really going to happen. Greg, somebody yes. wants to get involved. They want to finance. They want to invest. They want to help. Where do they go? They can go to our website, acornentertainmentgroup.com. They can learn about some of the people that are involved. They can learn about the uh, park and also about how to get involved with either talent or uh, through investing uh, financially. And they can contact me directly if they want to. They can skip all that and go to greg at acornentertainmentgroup.com. And I will be happy to talk to them and share our deck with them. It's got all the numbers in it. It's got all the growth in it. It's got the performance in it. It's the whole delicious enchilada. 
That's beautiful. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much. Greg, it was a pleasure being back on the podcast with you. I am so excited. Uh, I just know this is going to happen. Klaus, Andy, Brian, thank you. That does it for us. That concludes another episode of Going Boldly. I hope you were entertained and you discovered at least one nugget of wisdom or advice that you can put into action immediately. Or maybe you received some inspiration from today's episode. And I'm certain you know at least one person who needs this podcast. Please share it with them. You might be the important link that will change their life for the better. Subscribing means you will not miss an episode. And it will make it easier for me to schedule guests because I can show them that the audience is growing. So please subscribe. It will benefit us all. Let me know how I can make this show even better. Leave a comment and send me a DM. I read everyone personally, and I do my best to respond to each and every one. As a thank you, I'll be awarding prizes. And to keep you on your toes, the winners will be randomly selected from names I find in the comments, shares, DMs, and from the list of subscribers. Prizes might be Going Boldly merch or products supplied by my guests, or just something random and fun. But you have to comment, share, DM, or subscribe to be eligible to win. A special thanks to Brenna Swanger at Waverly Manor Studios for our great theme music. And finally, thanks for listening. Go boldly, keep at it, and wash your hands.